Good evening, church. Uh, I just want to say welcome from my side. I um, really hope you guys are doing well and you had a great week. And just from my side, it's just so amazing to see the amount of rain that's been falling during this week and how that's just such a symbol of God's blessing. We are in the middle of our Awesome God sermon series. And what's so awesome for me about the sermon series is that we are taking a look at who God is. And not necessarily taking a look at what He can do for us, but just focusing our attention on His character and on His nature and just how awesome He is so that we can be in awe and admiration before Him. So last week, Yaku spoke about Jehovah Shalom or God is peace. And this week, I will be speaking about Jehovah Jireh or God is our provider. So for, for me, be God being a provider is, it's so evident through the entire Bible that it's, it's hard actually not to see how God provides. There's so many, so many countless stories in the Bible of God providing. I'm thinking about the Israelites in the, in the desert when God provided the manna or the quails or the water, where, where God provided for them by giving them victory in battle. Or we're thinking about how God provided for Gideon and the armies. Or even how God just provided for Peter when he was in the New Testament and they needed tax money. So, the character of God being a provider is straight through the entire Bible. So tonight we're just going to be focusing on one specific story about God's character as provider. And then I'll also be just taking us into the New Testament to see how that also applies or how you can draw the golden thread from the Old Testament to the New Testament in God as being a provider. So tonight we will be focusing on the story of Abraham and a specific portion of where Abraham was on his way to go sacrifice Isaac. And to really understand what was happening there, it is necessary to just have a little bit of background information of events leading up to Abraham and Isaac going to the mountain where he was going to go and sacrifice Isaac. So we hear of Abraham for the first time in the Bible at 875. So for the first 75 years of Abraham's life, we have no idea what he did. Oh, very little. And we hear God calling him out of the house of his father and say, go to a land where I will lead you, where I will show you. So he up and left with his wife, who at the time was barren, so she was incapable of getting children. And Abraham just went where God led him to go. And during the course of him going to this land where God was leading him, which was eventually Canaan, which later became the inheritance of the Israel people or the Israeli nation, um, and during the course, Abraham had many adventures. Uh, he, was, he went to Egypt and he went to the battle of the five armies and had an encounter with Melchizedek. And after about being in the desert for about 10 years, one evening God appeared to Abraham and he said that, Abraham, I want to give you an exceedingly great reward. And then Abraham responded and he says that, but what use is it? if you give me an exceedingly great reward when I do not have anybody that can inherit that from me. So what Abram basically said is that 
what's the use of the, the reward if there's nobody that it can be stewarded towards? And there God made a promise to Abraham that he will have a child and that child will be born from Sarah. So at the age of 85, that's around about the, the age um, when Abraham received this promise. And then eventually Isaac was only born when Abraham was 100 years old. So that means Abraham had to wait for the fulfillment of that promise for 15 years, which is quite a long time to uh, wait for the fulfillment of a promise. I, I don't know how many of us would be able to wait patiently for a promise for 15 years. Um, I think most of us will probably just forget about it. But um, the promise was fulfilled, and as Isaac was growing up, one day God again started speaking to, to Abram. And this is now where we pick up the story, and it's in Genesis 22. And I'm going to be reading from the, the entire, well, most of the chapter. And what I want you to, to take in, just to take into consideration is that this is the child which God promised to Abram. It wasn't Abram's idea. It was just God that promised it. Um, this is the child that now Abram waited for for 15 years. And now God is asking him to sacrifice this child that was given to him. So I read from Genesis 22 from verse 1. And it says, After these things, God tested Abram and said to him, Abram, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Maria, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abram said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abram, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abram said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abram built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abram reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abram, Abram. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abram called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. That's up until... Verse 14. And what is so amazing for me about this story is just Abram's utter dedication and devotion towards God. That he was willing 
to not only sacrifice the son that God told him he was going to have, but the son that he waited for 15 years. And he was willing to say to God, you know, God, I trust you. And whatever you expect of me, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to sacrifice my son. So right there in that moment, I think the biggest thing what happened was what happened in Abraham's heart. And the, just the amount of detachment that happened in his heart from wanting to live for himself and for his own desires and for his own plans and saying, Lord, I know I have my desires. I know I have my dreams. I know I have my plans. But I'm willing to lay that down for you and I'm willing to obey you. And then after which God said, okay, but now that I see that you fear me and that you have not withheld your son, I know that you obey me first and that your devotion to me is first. And then God provided a lamb for sacrifice. And just later on the chapter, and it says, and that God provided exceedingly for, um, for Abraham as well. And Abraham became even more wealthy. So what I want you guys to just put in the back of your mind is this thing about God will provide a lamb for his own sacrifice. Because I will be transitioning now to just another piece of scripture in, in Matthew 6. And then later on, I will be referring back to what we've just been discussing now. So when we come to Matthew 6, um, Jesus was busy preaching one of the most famous sermons in the history of Christianity. And it's uh, rated by most as some of the best sermons that was ever preached. And this is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, uh, it's contained in Matthew 5 until Matthew 7. And the piece of scripture that I'm going to be reading is from Matthew 6, verses 25 up until 34. And it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So if I can summarize this piece of scripture, Jesus is basically saying to his disciples that if you seek first the kingdom of God, that which is necessary to live for the kingdom of God 
will be added to you or will be provided to you. So that means that if we are living for the kingdom of God and in our in the process of living for God's kingdom, we have certain desires or certain needs or certain things that needs to happen because it is just an eventuality of living for God's kingdom. We do not need to be anxious about that. We do not need to stress about that because we know that God will provide because it is us wanting to live for His kingdom. And this is where Abraham is such a good example that he was willing to say, "Your Lord, but even though I love this son so much, even though I waited for this son so long, he was still willing to, willing to say, Lord, your will and not mine. He was still willing to sacrifice that which was most dear to him so that he can be devoted towards God. And in this day and age, there's actually two kingdoms that we can live for. The first kingdom is God's kingdom, and the second kingdom is the kingdom of this world and how that ties into ourselves living for our own kingdoms. And in both of these kingdoms, there are provision, because we see a lot of people living for themselves and building their own kingdoms that are extremely wealthy. And we see also a lot of people living for God's kingdom. So, in, and also having provision having provision to go on mission trips, having provisions to um, maybe send out Bibles or deliver Bibles, or having provision in open doors that are, that are made for them to go into countries where there's limited access, or having a place to stay, having food to eat. But the point being that in both kingdoms, there are provision. And in both kingdoms, this provision comes at a cost. In the kingdom of the world, the cost that we need to pay is the cost of our own souls. Because Jesus said that, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? So, in the kingdom of the world, you pay for all the provision with your soul, in losing your own soul. And in the kingdom of God, the cost of the provision is taking up our cross and bearing Jesus' yoke. So the cost of following Jesus is saying, okay, Jesus, I take up your cross, and I take up your yoke, I take up your burden, and I live for your kingdom. And I live to serve you. And the, the, the end of living for God's kingdom is life and life in abundance and be having a purposeful life. And for me, for me this is something that, that hits home quite, <laughs> quite hard. Because so many times I find myself wanting to live for God's kingdom, but I, I find myself actually living for my own kingdom. Being more concerned about what I need, what I want, what I would like to have, where I would like to go, my where I would like for my life to go. So I find myself with this massive turmoil inside myself. And I, I think of the words of Paul that say, it says that I know what I want to do and I know the life that I want to live, but that which I do not want to do, I keep on doing. 
So for me, this thing of wanting to live for God's kingdom just hits back so, so hard because it forces me to take a look at my own life and the own choices that I have made and the choices that I'm going to make. And when I think about those choices, I think about, okay, God, how, how much room am I actually giving you to have a say in the way that I organize my own life? How much room, God, am I giving you to say how I should live my life, where I should live my life, what I should do with my life? Am I really going to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to lay up and sacrifice my own Isaac so that I can obey you? And that is a very sobering thought because there's so many times that I don't necessarily want God to give input on how I should live my life because I have my own desires and I have my own needs. And this is where I'm going to be referring now back to the Lamb of God that was provided. And this is where the greatest provision that God has ever given mankind comes in. And it's the Lamb of God that was provided in the name of Jesus. And the Lamb that was provided by God was slain for the sins of humanity and was slain for the curse that was on humanity. And in that, God provided the gospel message to us. And this, and what's so amazing about this provision is this provision does not just deal with what we are experiencing in this life, but it goes on into what we will be experiencing in life eternally. And then if I take a look at the gospel message, the gospel message in its essence says that mankind is incapable of living for God. So when I come to God, He knows that in myself I'm incapable of living for His kingdom. In myself, I'm always going to want to be living for the kingdom of the world and building my own kingdom. And that is exactly why He sent Jesus, because it was impossible for man to please Him. So now, when I am confronted with all of this stuff that's going on in my heart and all of this stuff that's going on in my life that wants to hinder me from living for God, there's a massive thing inside of me that wants to tell to me that, that wants to tell me, okay, but just work harder. Just see God a little bit more. Just try and live for God's kingdom a little bit more. Try a little bit harder. Pray a little bit more. Seek me a little bit more. Or seek me a lot more. And that is not the response that God is looking for. God is not looking for us trying harder. God is not looking for us to fix ourselves and to live for His kingdom by our own energy. God is looking for us to come at a place where we can say, Lord, I know that I'm incapable of living for you. I know that I'm a sinner. And 
Will you please be gracious to me? Come into my life and come and empower me to live for your kingdom. I'm not going to be doing this out of my own effort. I'm going to be giving you room to empower me through the gospel message to live for your kingdom. And that is such a sobering thought for me because it takes the weight of having to perform off of my shoulders. It takes the weight of having to prove myself off of my shoulders. And the only thing that I need to engage with and need to have in my life constantly is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I know that there is a massive invitation that is contained in Matthew 6 where God is inviting us to come and live for His kingdom. And He's giving us the guarantee that if we seek first His kingdom, He will provide everything that we need to live for His kingdom. And He even took all of the stumbling blocks out of our way that wants to hinder us from living for His kingdom. And He gave us the gospel message so that we can be able to live for His kingdom. So when I hear this, I know that the correct response from me is to go before God and say, God, God, you are so worthy of any devotion that I am able to give you. Lord, you are so worthy of any worship that I'm able to give you. You are so worthy of my life. Because you are such an awesome God. And if I read straight through the Bible, I just see countless, countless times of how you have come through for your people, how you have provided for your people. And the biggest question that we are faced with is, are we willing to sacrifice our own Isaacs so that we can live for God's kingdom? So as we consider the fact that there are two kingdoms that we can live for, I really want to challenge each and every one of you guys to take an honest look at yourself and where you are at and see whether you are currently living for God's kingdom and whether you are currently living for your own kingdom or maybe in a place where I find myself so often where I'm actually living for both. And if you are at the place where you are you really you're really pouring yourself out for God's kingdom and really living for God's kingdom. I really want to encourage you that, and just want to say to you that it's not by yourself that you are living for God's kingdom. And the single greatest source of comfort that you will have in continuing to live for God's kingdom is the fact that we have the gospel and that we have the good news of Jesus. And that we have the Holy Spirit that enables us. But I really want to encourage you and say that God will remain faithful. God has been faithful for thousands of years. And there's so many testimonies in the Bible of God being faithful. And even outside of the Bible, there's even more testimonies of God being faithful. And God providing. So I really want to encourage you that no matter through what season you are going, while living for God's kingdom. We see that Paul went through it all. <laughs> and uh, he had times of 
great plenty and at times of extreme need. But through it all, he had a confidence in God and in God's character and who God is. And I really want to encourage you that no matter what you are going through in living for God's kingdom, we can always know that God is right there with us in the moment, in the now. And that is something that we can hold on to. That is something that we can build our lives on. And I really just want to just say thank you for the fact that you are willing to sacrifice your life so that you can live beyond yourself and not live for yourself, but live for God and really live to impact God's kingdom. And if you are at a place where you say, yes, but I'm living for my own kingdom or I'm struggling to live for God's kingdom. The, the biggest factor for me that I can see in my own life of when I know that I'm slowly but surely leaning towards living for the kingdom of this world is the more I, I start leaning towards the kingdom of the world, the more anxiety and the more stress about life starts popping, popping up. The moment that I'm at a place where, I, where I'm at a bad space or where I feel far from God, then there's always these anxieties that wants to come up. Andre, where are you going to get your money from? Andre, how are you going to pay for this? Andre, how, when are you, you going to do this? And Andre, how are you going to do this? What are you going to eat and what are you going to drink? And it sounds so familiar to what Jesus said, but these are the things that the Gentiles, they, they look for it. So anxiety and stress in my life is always a good indicator for myself that there's something in me that is not currently aligned with God's kingdom. And when we come to this realization that there's parts of our lives that are not submitted to God's kingdom, we can easily become shameful of the fact. And I really want to say to you that you do not have to be shameful because God knows what is going on in our hearts. God knows that each and every single person on the face of this earth is sinful. And shame is the single biggest thing that wants to keep you from coming to God and laying your worries and your fears and your anxiety down at His feet. So I want to encourage you to take a leap of faith and say, despite the fact that I want to feel shame, I'm not going to let shame hinder me coming to God. I'm not going to let shame steal the provision that I can have in coming to God. And I just want to mention that even if we are at a place that we are living for God's kingdom, that are living for the kingdom of this world, that there's never a place that, that it's enough. There's never a place where you can say, okay, now I have enough. Now I'm being fulfilled. Now I experience purpose. And that is another way that I can, in my own life, experience whether I'm at a good place with God or not. Am I content with what is in my life? Or am I always yearning for more? Am I always yearning for the next big thing? Am I always looking for more fulfillment, more fun, more thing that can come and fulfill me? And that is the thinking of the kingdom of this world. And if you experience that at home, once again, I want to tell you, don't be shameful when you want to come to Jesus because he's inviting you to come. He's, he knows about it. 
And he died for that. So there's no shame that needs to hold you coming to a place of just coming to his feet and say, Lord, I just want to repent. And I want to give you space to come into my life. So uh, maybe even after tonight's sermon, just take some time and go into your inner room and just spend some time with God. And just lay out on the table what is going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. And even if it's necessary, tell, tell a friend what's going on in your life and come into a moment of repentance before God and even if it's necessary, before someone that you trust. And just allow God to come in and to come and minister and to come and teach you and show you the fact that he is always going to be a provider. So Lord, I just, I just want to thank you so much. Thank you that, that you've been faithful over the ages, that you've been steadfast over the ages, that you have always been with your people, and that there's so many countless thousands and thousands upon thousands of testimonies of your provision. Lord, and thank you that you come and meet us in our place of frailty, in our place of weakness, in our place of not being capable of living for your kingdom. And you do not disqualify us, but you qualify us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And thank you that we can come to you whatever, in whatever state we are in, knowing that you will not reject us, knowing that you will accept us and that you will forgive us and that you will restore us. So thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful. Thank you that you are so awesome. Thank you that we can just come to you and know that you are a good God. Thank you that we can know that we can live and build our lives upon you and upon your character. And thank you that we have the promise that you will always provide that which is necessary to live for your kingdom. Lord, I just pray, come and, come and draw us deeper into your kingdom. Come and draw us deeper into your will. And come and just enable us to live for your kingdom. And thank you that you are with us all the days of our lives until the end of the age. Amen. So friends, as we are transitioning into a time of worship where we will be worshiping God in song. And just, it's just a very interesting piece of scripture in Genesis 22, the, the piece of scripture that I read at the beginning, um, is that as Abraham was going up the mountain, he, he told the, the slaves that was with him that he's going up the mountain to worship. And he was going up, but knowing full well that he was going up the mountain to sacrifice his son. And what's so awesome about us now in the, in the current where we are now is that when we go up the mountain, we don't have to go up the mountain knowing whether the sacrifice will be accepted. We can go up the mountain knowing that God already provided the Lamb of God and that the Lamb of God has already been sacrificed and already been accepted. So we can go up the mountain Come before God and worship, knowing that Jesus has already made a way. And how awesome is that? How awesome is that that we can know that all has already been done for us to be in relationship with God and to live for His kingdom. And let us just worship God 
for how amazing, amazing, amazing he is.